Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always delighted to have on the program uh, our, our uh, show regular, a long-time show regular now, Casey Mulligan, former White House Chief Economist for the President's Council of Economic Advisors and uh, Professor of Economics at the University of Chicago. Um, really appreciate his perspective that, uh, frankly, unfortunately, is hard to find in the larger mainstream uh, academia or media, and uh, today's topic will be no exception. But Casey, before we get started, I always like to mention your book, which I think is a very interesting uh, study on the work of uh, President Trump, whom you work for in that White House. Talk a little bit about the book and the work you're doing real quickly at the University of Chicago, and then let's get into our topic, and welcome, as always. Yeah, hi, Kevin. We, I did make a website uh, with some materials about the book. Of course, click to buy it. It's called yourhiredtrump.com. Um, and the book is, I, I wrote it because the news wasn't telling us what was really happening. They were telling us kind of the opposite of what I saw. So I wrote down what I saw. Trump's a very entertaining per person. Uh, he made some serious mistakes. He had some serious successes, and those those are all in there. And, yeah, you know, one, it, some of the mistakes uh, he made are around COVID, and that's been some of my latest work. I just uh, had a Wall Street Journal yesterday um, where I tabulated the amount of deaths we've had more than normal that aren't from COVID. And it's about 100,000 a year. And the problem is it hasn't stopped. The COVID deaths have dropped way off, but the um, deaths from drugs, traffic, homicide, you name it, uh, are still elevated, and it's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get into our uh, our topic today, which is subsidizing people not to work. That's, that's essentially what happens. They call it something different. You know, you you know, you're an economist. Uh, you've got the uh, you you've got the obvious things, but then you've got the secondary effects that uh, unintended, if you will. Uh, you know, and you can get someone can get conspiratorial and says, "Oh no, this is their intention." I don't know. I think their intention is to get votes more than to get people not to work. But regardless, it has the uh, effect of people not working. And and recently, not not too long ago, I. Had former Senator Phil Graham on the program about his new book. We talked about this, and it's been a multi-generational problem for decades of uh, subsidizing poverty. The war on poverty, uh, you know, the, in the 1960s, as you all know, became a war on the poor. It became a, 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 a program to subsidize people to stay poor. And ending welfare as we know know it, which happened in the 1990s, but uh, with, with Bill Clinton, a phenomenal change between uh, GOP Congress and, and President Clinton, a great achievement. Uh, all of that has been pretty much thrown into the trash can, uh, really beginning with, uh, I think, with Obama. And then all of a sudden uh, what we, we have is that, that idleness, that subsidizing of idleness of the lower income has begun to spread like a disease up the economic ladder. And uh, we're seeing that on a massive scale today. Uh, yeah, you're right. The we've had there's been both a gradual uh progression with after clinton president clinton actually tried to encourage work and it was very successful and he 
some of these programs who require, if you want to participate more than a short period of time, a kind of emergency period, you had to be working. And that put a lot of people to work. Um, but after that, it started to creep back. Even under Bush, uh, things like Medicaid were growing in terms of how much income you could earn to participate in it or have your kids participate in it. Um, and then Obama, uh, the so-called stimulus, just totally ramped up food stamps and uh, m a number of other programs, unemployment. Um, unemployment, it's been changed, especially in the blue states, to be, you know, it used to be you had to be a, a regular worker who lost his or her job, um, but they so-called modernized it so that you could have been just in work for a short period of time, and when, when you leave that, you're eligible for unemployment for potentially a long period of time. Um, Obamacare was another big one that, of course, Obama created it, but Biden and their uh, during the pandemic and also on a more permanent basis with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act has expanded Obamacare. So now in some parts of the United States, you could be earning 600000 a year and get on Obamacare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, and of course, a lot of, entre you know, a lot of business owners, you know, micro businesses, small business owners, um, you know, they're, they're, making sure they get paid uh, with their che checks uh, and a, a very low amount, which at the end they get a pass-through at the end of what money they've made. Um, but they're, they're qualifying for it too. And these are, these are people who are making six digits. Yes. Uh, they, if you're referring to Obamacare, yeah. Yes. A anywhere in America you could be earning six figures and be on Obamacare. Um, and uh, w with the new Biden rules, and quarter million, very common, could qualify. And as I said, one state up to 600-something thousand. Yeah, yeah. And all of this creates distortions. All this, and what I mean, not only just distortions in the economy, but distortions in the way people think. Uh, it, it's the wrong kind of incentives and encourages the, uh, the wrong kind of activity uh, and undermines the uh, work ethic that successful economies dep depend on. Yeah, it, it, it's a way of thinking. Also, what you know. I mean, the more hours that you're on the job in a lifetime sense, I don't mean just in a day, the more incentive you have and your employer has to make you better at that job. And mm -hmm. so you're getting the reverse when you're putting people a lot of hours they're not working. They're not investing in those work skills to the to that degree, and they may be investing to use a somewhat glorified term, in skills not involved with LERC, like taking drugs um, and other things. So that's why I, I, I've heard you call it a kind of a pandemic. It does have that kind of multiplier effect. Uh, things like marriage and uh, soberness and kind of go along with work, uh, with not working. And so it, it's a feedback process, and it's high time for public policy to acknowledge that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, and again, I, I, I don't think most people want to live in a world where there isn't 
logical means to help people when they're in a situation that uh, that uh, you know requires help. I, I think that uh, people want that. But I think what they want to want is a situation that pushes people to get better. I think you know the whole idea of workfare, which was a Clinton policy in the 1990s in Arkansas, uh, which I think he really wanted to do in uh, in Washington D.C. Obviously, the left wasn't going to allow that to happen. But workfare, literally, people, oh, you you want to uh, have long term these these government subsidies. Okay, well, you're going to have to work at this government daycare center, uh, assuming, of course, they qualified from a, a background check. Uh, you're going to have to work at this, this daycare ch- center to continue to get the support. And uh, you know what that did, doctor? Does <laughs> that make people want to go get another type of job? And I think that's that, yeah, people get help. But the best help is help that makes them want to work. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a red herring to say that we're letting, letting people starve. We had for many, many years, my lifetime, my father's lifetime, my grandfather's lifetime, we had a safety net program. Unemployment is not a new program. Um, these aren't – food stamps is not a new program. Um, and Democrats and Republicans had kind of reached a balance that we're going to have some significant help there for people, um, but it's not going to be as significant as – when you're helping yourself and yeah we've we've lost that it's i mean part i I think academia has partly to blame they're kind of suffered from what they call in logic the fallacy of the heap there's so many government programs and they'll look at one aspect of one program and they'll say you know we don't detect any negative effect on work of that little piece of welfare and but that's because it's just one little piece and it has a little effect that's hard to detect. But when you have 80 of those pieces together, now you start to have effects that are really mattering in the economy and, and delivers you in a spot where, you know, employment rates are well below where they used to be. Mm-hmm. So from a public policy perspective, and particularly when you look at a new U.S. House, I will say a very precarious U.S. House as they're uh, trying to figure out how to keep uh, Santos in the uh, Republican caucus in Congress, uh, even though, you know, I think in the opinion of uh, the vast majority of Americans who are aware he shouldn't be. But nonetheless, it's a Republican caucus. It's a fragile one. But knowing that, what kind of policy positions do you envision this uh, GOP uh, focusing on to try to mitigate this? Because this is a huge problem. Uh, to me, it's, it's a growing problem. It was bad enough when we had lower income classes uh, being uh, reinforced to have uh, these kind of views. But now, again, upper, uh, up, up to the upper middle class, when you look at the way uh, Obamacare, as an example, has been done. Talk a little bit about, from a policy perspective, what we should be seeing. Well, I, th- I think the easy thing and pretty constructive it's just a roll back to something like 2007 or 1998 or something like that. Because we've been there and done that, and we know that it's not mass starvation and things like that. Uh, and, and the laws have already been written. I mean, in the Trump administration, we tried to take steps that way, like having the work, work requirements. Clinton put them in. They, they were there during the Bush administration, and Obama came in and took them out. Um, or gave waivers and things like that. And, and Biden has continued to do that. But those work requirements are still on the books. And a, 
Secretary of Labor and Secretary of Agriculture could be more stern on that, uh, enforcing that. And, it's, you know, other steps like that, I'm sure the House would love to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, which is stepping in the wrong direction, so they could try to erase that. Um, of course, you know, they got to get agreement elsewhere, but, you know, they, they control the purse strings, so they may be able to get a few of these things. You know, you make a really good point. So much of this is happening through the so-called administrative state, right? Which the Supreme Court has said, yeah, this this administrative state has gone through gone too far. They're legislating when uh, when they should only be interpreting policy because the stuff they're they're allowing isn't in the policy. A lot of what we're talking about uh, should be corrected. I'm not seeing a whole lot being done from an enforcement perspective of the court's decision about the administrative state, but that would address a lot of this, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Certainly the work requirements. And, oh, boy, Washington was against this. We, um, my own group, wrote a piece on the work requirements reminding us how well they worked, reminding us how Democrats praised the results of the work requirements after Clinton did them. Um, and that one piece that we did was attacked in the Washington Post eight different days in a row. <laughs> I mean, uh, Washington seems to just hate that. Um, but... Washington is in America, and that's that's where where the House comes in. That there, are very few of the people in the House are from Washington, and they um, yeah, people out there in in the country see this problem. Um, maybe not with the precision that Senator Graham did, but they kind of see the problem and they want something done to to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, as we uh, begin to wrap it up, Dr. Casey Mulligan, professor at the University of Chicago, uh, always love having him on the program. Very lively, timely, and important uh, conversation. Um, final thoughts from you as we wrap it up. Um, you mean uh, the other aspect of work that's, that's new for us, that these work fairs is a thing been around for decades, but the aspect that's new is the poor health that people have gotten in uh, since the pandemic. And, you know, that that needs attention, uh, too. I mean, health is worthy in its own right, but it also is interfering with uh, working. Yeah, and in addition to that, if you're not working, it's going to undermine your physical health, isn't it? Not to mention your mental health. Yeah, these, these, uh, these are, have a lot of feedback effects. When you don't work... Yeah. You know, your your mind changes, your body changes, and then it's harder to work, and it's a, it's a reinforcing process. That's why it needs our attention. Yes, very interesting. Interesting. All right, very good. As always, Casey Mulligan. I am Kevin Price. This is the Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.